Bring Your Own is a live storytelling series that takes place in unconventional spaces throughout New Orleans and airs on WWNO. It's also available as a podcast on iTunes. This story was told on April 21st, 2016 at the Jazz and Heritage Center on Rampart Street. And Maurice Ruffins talks about how it was really his grandma who taught him how to read. So I guess you're wondering why I called you all here tonight. Uh, Y'all look really good. Y'all look... Y'all look really good. Now, I should tell you that I wasn't always this awesome package you see in front of you right now. No, it's true, for real. No, seriously. Um, when I was 12 years old, I was 212 pounds. I was all of four foot nine. I wanted to have a flat top, but my dad, who cut my hair, couldn't quite get the, the 90 degree angles on the top. So it was like this big black burnt biscuit on my head. And, um, I had no taste in fashion. You know, I kind of like shopped at in like the women's, like the plus size ladies section at Sears. I had this big fluffy white uh, coat I would always wear everywhere. I was like my, my, my blankie. Um, so I was a total geek. I was a total nerd. And that's who I was. I loved that about myself. My mom would call me the professor because I was, you know, sort of verbose, whatever. Um, one day, she says, you know, um, son, this summer you're going to go stay with your grandmother. And my heart starts pounding really fast because I love my grandmother to death. I mean, she was, she was my heart. My mom and my grandmother were my heart. But my grandmother was an imposing figure. She was Louise Hearns, born 1929. She was 5 foot 11. She had a two-pack-a-day cigarette habit. So she had this husky, deep voice. When she would talk, she would kind of growl at you. Even when she was laughing, she would sort of growl at you. And she was born in, in the Depression. And so for her, money was a really important thing. If you asked her for anything at all, it didn't matter what you asked her for, she would always, always, always say no. <laughs> I remember we were at McDonald's, and I was eating some french fries, and I'm like, hey, Grandma, can you pass the ketchup? And she's like, no. I'm like, what? I'm like, why, Grandma? She's like, because ketchup costs money. You had ketchup yesterday. And, but it's this free ketchup. Um, so, so, I mean, she could have been working for whatever you had in your life. You have to work hard for your own money. She was the church's bookkeeper. She watched every single penny. They never lost a penny to anybody. So my mom says, you're going to stay with your grandmother over the summer. And I'm like, Ma, I am not staying with my grandmother over the summer. Fast forward, I'm staying with my grandmother over the summer. Um, and so you know, I'm over at her house, and I think it was a Saturday morning like at the end of the first week. And she's like, let's go out you know, shopping for the day. So we go shopping, and we end up at this mall here in uh, New Orleans East called the Plaza, which is not there anymore. Ain't that, ain't that no more. And, you know, back then the bookstores are small. It's not, this, it's not like Borders. It's this little bit tiny bookstore. My grandmother says, look, I'm going to sit here at the front of the store. You just wander around and find some books for yourself. And I'm like, okay, it's a pretty good deal. So I, I start walking around looking for books. I think this is the first time I, I hear of uh, Maya Angelou. I see, I know why the caged bird sings. I pick it up. I see this, this uh, book called Wild Cards by a man I didn't know at the time, but we know him now. It, uh, George R.R. Martin edited this sci-fi fantasy series. It was 20 books long. I picked one of those up. I go back to the front counter with this arm load of books, and I say, Grandma, you know, what's up with this? She's like, put them on the counter so we can get them. I'm like, I don't have any money to buy. I got like five bucks. I can't buy all these books, Grandma. She's like, don't worry about it. I got it. So I'm shocked. She's going to pay for the books. Now, what no one had told me, and I didn't learn this until a couple of years ago. I'm 38 years old. I learned this like two years ago, was that my mom had been called to school by the teacher who told her I had a severe reading problem. Nobody knew this because I seemed like I was a smart guy, right? I just, maybe it was dyslexia, who knows? But this was a shock to them, and they didn't want to freak me out, so they didn't tell me what was going on. 
Now, I should back and forth a second to say that my grandmother was a special education teacher. And so she devises this plot to have me read these books over the summertime. And so I'm sitting there in the house. Actually, I would lay in the den on my belly reading these books all day long in my grandmother's house. I got obsessed over it, all these great books I had. I didn't want to go out and play. I didn't want to watch cartoons. She would cook these, these old-style country breakfasts, this big cast iron skillet, like 45 pounds. She'd like take a bucket of like pork fat and just dump it in the thing, like just throw raw eggs at it, like just take you know, bricks of salt and just, it was delicious. Bro. She's like, come get some food, son. I'm like, I don't want any food, Grandma. She's like, boy, you better come on now. <laughs> so, so, you know, we're sitting there eating and she would go like, oh, you know, what are you reading right now? You know, who's the main character? Do you like it? What do you not like about it? You know, what happens in the middle of the book? So they so, so quiz me on the books. And long story short, by the end of the summer, I'd read maybe 10 books, which is a lot for me, you know, over a three-month period. And the plan that they put together for me apparently worked. Because I get back to school the next semester and I do great. I get great grades in school. And she changed my life because as I think back on today, I see how all these points in my life connect. I get to law school. And in law school, uh, you have to try out to do this thing called law review. If you're a good writer, you're on law review. Maybe 10 of you get on it out of 100 people. I wrote on to it. Uh, a few years after that, I co-founded a writing group called the Podunk Writers Alliance. All amateur writers trying to put out stories and get published. We, we didn't have anything published at that time. Today, we have dozens of stories published. In 2014, I finally got a few stories published, and I won a prize for the very first time, the Iowa Review Prize. And in fact, I won two more prizes that same year. In November of that year, I go to this big function, and I get a prize for the, for the, uh, uh, the Faulkner Words and Music Festival. I'm there in this tuxedo looking all fancy, and I'm standing on the stage getting this, this, this medal, this little gold medal. I'm thinking about my grandmother. And I'm thinking about how this woman, who probably wouldn't have given me a dollar if I asked for it, or maybe she would have a few minutes later, because she always changed her mind eventually. <laughs> she taught me for an entire summer for free. And so, I think about the love of somebody who is willing to take the time to help out another person. And she instilled in me a love for literature and for writing. And that's why I'm a writer today. Thank you so much. Yeah.